0: It has nothing to do with horticulture. It has everything to do with us as the church today going back to the beginnings of what I think is one of the most amazing things in this world called church. I love church. And I don't just mean I love Sunday mornings. I love church. I love everything about it. I think it's one of God's most Ingenious and beautiful and creative creations to to call people not only to himself, but to join them together in Christ so that through the church, the world today can see what God is really like. And my friends, that is God's plan. That is why we are still here on planet earth, to demonstrate the glory of God to a dark and a dying world. That is what we, the nation's international church, that is what we are here for, to reveal who God really is. And you may say, well, that's a tall order. That's, that's something of a great expectation to put onto people. My friends, if, if this world cannot see God through the church, then where will they see him? The Bible says that the church is Christ's body in the earth today. Quite literally, we are the members of the body of Christ. We are his hands, his feet, his mouth, his eyes, etc. We are called to reveal to our world the glory and the beauty and the power and the majesty and the splendor and the reality of who God is so that people around us who don't know him can discover him. And can find salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. In this series, we're going to study the roots of the Christian church. We're going to revisit its birth. We're going to, to go back to the infant years of the church. And we will discover God's original plan for the church. And how that he has He has. Put within his word spiritual truths that are designed to empower us as believers in the church today. How many of you here this morning maybe listening on podcast? Acknowledge and, and agree that we need God's empowering. If we are ever going to reveal who he really is. My hand is going to be the first one up. Because I am so, so aware of it. And God's word will reveal to us these beautiful truths that if we will receive them, if we will believe them, if we will live according to them, we will be empowered. The church in its infancy was amazing. If you've never read the book in the Bible called the Acts of the Apostles, read it this week. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the fifth book of the New Testament. It's, it's just 28 chapters long. You could read it in one sitting. It is enthralling. It records for us the first few days, few weeks. Few months and few years of the life of the church. And and you will discover some amazing things that God did through the church. Now, what are we talking about when we say the church? Are we talking about a building? No. Are we talking about some institution? No. No. We're talking about people who have chosen to make Jesus Christ their savior and Lord and follow him with all of their life. That's the church. And as you read through those chapters in the book of Acts, you will see miracles happening through those early believers. You will see how that they took the message that Jesus had given them of eternal life Not only did they believe it, but they believed it so much that they went into the outermost parts of the known world to preach it. You will see that these early believers were not taken up with with worldly comforts, with surrounding themselves with earthly security. In fact, they were willing to experience hardships and persecution and imprisonment and stoning and even death because they were so taken up with the message that Jesus Christ had preached to them that it completely and radically changed their lives. The problem with the passing of time And of course, those incidences happened about 2,000 years ago. Sometimes we think, well, that was then. But now we live in a completely different age. And in some ways, yes, we do. We have around us so much technology that it's mind-blowing. It seems that we know so much more Than perhaps the people did then. But my friend, the message of the gospel and the the commission of the church has not changed in those 2,000 years. What God wants to work through you and I today is the same as He worked through those early disciples and apostles. God has chosen. The church to be his mouthpiece, his hands, his feet. He has chosen us to reveal who he is. And as you read through the book of Acts and you see the great and marvelous and wonderful things that God did through those people, believe this, that God still wants to do that through us today. That, my friends, is the truth. There are voices around us that would tell us different. There are voices that would say we are living in a different dispensation. But the Bible says that until Christ returns, the the job that God gave to the church is still ours today. And God wants to reveal himself through you And through I to our world. And as we go through this this series over the next few weeks, we are going to discover some of those root issues. Some of the things that these early Christians and followers of Jesus had embraced that we also need to embrace. Over the period of time, perhaps the church has lost some of these foundational truths. And it has tried to fit into its surrounding world. My friend, the church and the world just don't fit. They are so different. And this is the truth. This world... Needs a radical, Bible believing, Holy Spirit filled church that will reveal who God really is. It doesn't need new programs. It doesn't need new methods of evangelism. It doesn't need yet another three point gospel presentation. It needs the basic foundational, fundamental truths that these early believers embraced, not just partially, but with all of their life and to the degree that many of them gave their life for what they believed. And the first thing that we're going to discover about these new believers was this, that they were followers of Jesus. The first believers were followers of Jesus. You say, Pastor, well, that's obvious. (laughs) They were Christians. Of course, Christians follow Jesus. But I want you to learn some things this morning about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you were here two weeks ago, you, you will remember we talked about how Jesus spoke of us as disciples taking up our cross in order to follow him. And in this world of ours today, there are so many Alternative things and people that we can follow. And it looks like we're following Jesus. But we're not. But these early, early Christians, these first Christians. They not only believed but they followed Jesus. It meant they were not following other people. Every now and then somebody seems to rise themselves up as like the person, the one to follow. It happened, you read of it in the book of Acts. People would would raise themselves up, they would get a few disciples following them, they would propose to be something great and then they would come to nothing. But when these disciples of Jesus found the Lord, they realized that he really was who he said he was. And they chose to follow him. They were not following a set of new beliefs. It is so worrying at times to listen to people who speak about new things that they've discovered about God and about the Bible. And that these are the things that we must make our priority in beliefs But when we read in the book of Acts, we see that these early Christians, they simply followed the message that Jesus preached. He spoke of the kingdom of God. He spoke of who he was. He spoke of himself being the lamb of God. He spoke of himself being a sacrifice for sin. And my friends, these people in simplicity of mind, they believed him. They were not buying into a new set of beliefs. It seems like every year there's a a new set that comes out over YouTube or some other form of media. And this is what we must believe in. My friends, we have got to get back to the gospel. It is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation, not some newfangled set of beliefs. Can you hear me this morning? It is the gospel that will save nothing else. Neither were these people followers of a particular church or a church vision. As a matter of fact, they didn't have different churches. There was just one church in Jerusalem that met in lots of different places. It's saddening sometimes when we find ourselves looking for a church. That suits us. Uh, I don't like this church. I hear people say. Because it's this. Or because it's that. Or because they don't do this. Or because they do do that. Oh wouldn't it be wonderful. If we could just find that place where God wants us to be. And in that place. Worship and serve. And follow Jesus. Jesus. And I believe that any church, any church can be a demonstration of who Jesus really is. They were not people who followed a certain denomination. I'm not against denominations. I think I think they express in all of their fullness the beauty of who God is. But let's not get stuck on a denominational belief. These early disciples, they didn't have a choice. Were they Protestant or Catholic? Were they Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or Lutheran or whatever else? They didn't have the choice. What were they doing? Following Jesus. They'd heard him preach. It resonated as absolute truth in their heart. They said, that's good enough for us. They were following Jesus. Neither were they following a pastor or some hero. In this church, never ever follow this pastor. Did you hear me? And I'm absolutely serious. I will do all I can to point you to Jesus Christ. But please never ever follow me. Never put me on some pedestal. Because guess what? I'll probably fall off. But follow Jesus, exalt him, make him the one who is the model in your life. Let him be your example, as these early disciples did. Again, you will read in the book of Acts that some wanted to follow this person and some wanted to follow that person. And the Apostle Paul would say, don't do that, guys. Just follow Jesus. Can you hear me this morning? We've got to get back to these basic fundamental truths that are the DNA of the early church. These people were wrapped up in who Jesus was. They were completely engrossed in the mission that he had given them. They were not concerned about following other people and and some hero who rose himself up as as God's man of faith and power for the hour. They said, we don't need those people because we've got Jesus. It's sad when the church today needs to exalt heroes instead of exalting Jesus. Can you hear me? Here's our key Bible quote for today. It's taken from John chapter 8, verse 31. And my wife will love me for this because I'm using her favorite Bible, the Amplified the Amplified Bible says this, so Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, if you remain in my word, if that is where you live, in my word, in what I've said and hold fast to my teachings and live In accordance with them. You are truly my disciples. Can you see? Here is a definition of what a follower of Jesus is. Not just somebody who says, oh, I believe in Jesus. but I also believe in Santa Claus and the tooth fairy. No, that's not believing in Jesus. Believing and following Jesus is one who abides in his teachings. What does that mean? You live there you don't just visit on a sunday morning you don't just put your sunday jacket on or frock on or whatever you wear on sundays by the way it doesn't matter what you wear to come to church as long as it's decent okay so i'm not against shorts or jeans or whatever but but don't just put on a sunday outfit that looks Makes you look like a Christian. Live every day, every hour of every day in his word. You say, how do I do that? Well, first of all, you need to get his word in you. You hit a situation at work and how do you respond? It depends what's in your heart. If upsetness or anger or jealousy or bitterness... Is in your heart. That's what you'll respond out of. But if you have the living word of God in there. Mm, then your response is different. You see there, there is a clear distinction. Between a follower of Jesus. And one who is not following Jesus. And here John 8.31 gives us that clear distinction. A true disciple of Jesus is one who not only says they believe in him, but they are abiding, living according to the teachings and the truth of God's word. That doesn't just mean on a Sunday when everybody looks nice and smiles at you. That means in your workplace. And it also means at home. Isn't that sometimes the hardest place? To live and abide in the word of God. But as true followers of Jesus, this is our desire. That even in our home, Jesus Christ is glorified. Because his word is alive on the inside of us. And somebody might say, but pastor, I I thought that, that... Becoming a Christian was just believing in Jesus and, and my sins are forgiven and I'm right with God and the Holy Spirit lives in my heart. I thought that was it. My friends, that's just the beginning. That is becoming a Christian. Being a disciple is an outworking of what you say you believe every single day. Maybe next week we're going to be talking about God's provision for enabling us to live In his words, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We can't do it ourselves. But the follower of Jesus is one who lives and abides and adheres to the Word of God. What did, did these new believers, these early Christians, do? Very simply, they believed what Jesus said. I'm all for discussion groups, I think they're very healthy. Where we take the word of God and we we open up our hearts for God to teach us. But you know sometimes we can take it to an extreme. Where we try to understand God's word to the degree where we lose its meaning. We don't appreciate what it says. We don't agree with it maybe. And we try to dismiss it because we don't like it. But the early believers, we're told, they in simplicity of heart believed what Jesus said. Let me give you an example. Just before Jesus went back to heaven, and as we saw last week, he was the first man to enter into the realm of heaven. Just before he left, Jesus said to his disciples, now, I want you to go into all of the world And make more disciples. And as you go, it will be evidence that you believe in me because things like this will happen. You'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And you'll be able to drink poison and it won't harm you. And you'll pick up scorpions and they won't hurt you. And some of us would look at Jesus and say, excuse me, us lay hands on sick? And they're healed? Drink poison and it won't hurt us? Uh, You're the son of God. You're kind of different to us. You could do that, but not us. But these guys, (laughs) they believed what Jesus said. And they went ahead and did it. And guess what? Jesus was telling the truth. They laid hands on sick and the sick were recovered, were healed. In one place in the book of Acts, you'll, you'll read there through this, this, as you read this week, that, that, that in one city they brought the multitudes out into the streets so that just the shadow of the apostles would fall over them. And we can say, well, you know, that was then. And we've grown up now as the church. Of course, that was, that was to impress the people. They needed to see God in action. And now the church has matured. We're 2,000 years old. It doesn't work that way now. The church has matured and doesn't need to see God heal through it. Trash. Rubbish. Lies. It's not what the church needs, it's what this world needs. And my friend, as long as there are people who are sick and dying and without God in this world, this world needs the church to believe Jesus and believe what he said and do it. And do it. Listen to this verse here. Peter was preaching. Sorry, uh, Jesus was preaching and, and, and he was saying some tough things and some of his followers decided that's it. We can't handle this anymore. We're going. and So off they went. They left church. Jesus was talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and they didn't like it. And so they went. So the pastor preaches about taking up your cross and living daily for Jesus. Oh, that's not the sort of Christianity we bought into. So they often they go. The pastor preaches about tithes and offerings. Oh, we don't like that. God can keep his hands off my money, so they off and they go. So Jesus didn't get phased about it. He said to his 12 disciples, Okay, guys, what are you going to do? Are you going as well? And Peter said, Lord, where is there else to go? To whom would we go? Because it's only you that've got the words of eternal life. As hard as what Jesus often said was, they believed what he said. Move on into the book of Romans chapter 10 and verse 10. And here Paul makes this amazing statement. He says, for with the heart a person believes, adheres to, trusts in and relies on Christ. That's what becoming a Christian is. Not just some mental assertion to the existence of Jesus Christ, but where we adhere to him Trust in him and rely on him for the rest of our life. And so is justified or declared righteous and acceptable to God. And with the mouth he confesses, declares openly and speaks out freely his faith and confirms his salvation. This is just what Jesus said. And Paul is repeating it. He is listening. He heard, he heard the preachings of Christ And he's repeating what he heard. He believed it. He's going around preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second thing that they did is that they did what Jesus told them to do. I told you this wasn't going to be difficult, didn't I? We're going back to some very basic things that we can so easily forget. They were followers of Jesus. They believed what he said and they did what they, what he told them to do. Look what it says in Romans 8.18. Paul was one who had suffered some pretty severe things. He was stoned. He was imprisoned. He was, he was um, bound up in stocks. He was frequently chased out of town. He was shipwrecked. He almost lost his life a number of times, and yet he said, I consider that these present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So often we listen to what Jesus has told us to do, and we choose that it's too difficult. If I do that, I'm going to lose my friends. My family will turn against me people will think I'm absolutely nuts. I will look ridiculous. And we choose and decide after we've weighed it up that what Jesus has told us to do is going to cost more than we're willing to pay. But these early believers, even though they weighed it up, they made the other decision. And Paul says, there's nothing that this world can throw at us that's even worthy, not even worthy, To be compared with the glory of Christ revealed in us. My friends I want to suggest into our hearts this morning. That this would be a good prayer for us. To pray God. Work somehow in my heart. That I don't argue with you. I don't debate with you. I believe what you say. And I do what you ask me to do. You see, many of us would love, I'm sure, to experience the positive side of the early New Testament church. Church growth was phenomenal. On the day of Pentecost, at least 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. Wouldn't that be amazing? Is there anybody here that would not want to see this church expand by 3,000 people on one day? didn't think so but you see these things come with a cost and they won't come because we've got the latest fandangle program or the most expensive and reliable equipment they will come because we embrace and 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 adopt these basic foundational truths that these early brothers and sisters of ours did here's the third and last point they were making a difference Yes, they gave their whole life for the sake of the gospel. It completely consumed them. And I believe it should. It needs to completely consume us. Yes, of the 12 disciples, most of them were killed. They were martyred because they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stephen was martyred. He was stoned. Can you imagine that? Stoned to death because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Many of them did lose their homes, their families, their businesses. Many of them were exiled. Many of them were chased out of town. Many of them were cut off from their families because they believed in Jesus. They considered that those things were worth it for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. And it was because of these prices that these people were willing to pay that they saw things happen. Here in Acts 17, we have a record of what was happening in a place called Thessalonica. It says, but when they did not find them, they were searching for Paul and Silas. They dragged Jason. Jason was a local believer and some brethren to the rulers of the cities crying out, listen, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar saying there is another king, Jesus. They were willing to stand up, not just against the local authorities, but against this world power called Caesar and say, you know what? You call yourself a king, Caesar There's one that's above you. His name is Jesus. And the effect that they had, according to these authorities, was that they were turning the world upside down. How many of our worlds have been turned upside down because of our witness for Christ? Wouldn't it be wonderful to see Suwon City turned upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And it can. And it can. I said, and it can be. And I believe that some of these very basic, uncomplicated, simple foundational truths are the key to us seeing God move through his body, the church, today in the same power and the same glory that he did in these early days. And I pray that God will inspire us to dig in deeper to him, to lay off those things that, that hold us back and to, and to lay hold of Jesus with all of our hearts even if it means we lose our life. Let's pray. Father God, it's amazing to look back at what in some ways appears to be a primitive time of history and just see how awesomely wonderful you were demonstrating who you really are through these simple folk. These people who dared to believe in you, dared to obey you, were seeing some remarkable things. Father, I pray that, that we may not just be inspired in our minds, stirred up in our, in, our, in our brains and think, wow, that would be great. But God, please work deep in my heart. Work deep in our hearts. That we would lay aside everything for your sake. That we would return to the simple believing of the gospel of Jesus. And that we would live it with the whole of our life and our being. Jesus, thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. Thank you for preparing for us a place in heaven. And thank you for empowering us here on earth to do your will. In Jesus' name we praise you. Amen. Amen. Amen.